This is the last time we're going to look back at the UTSA win because there's a much greater challenge ahead. With that being said, though, pro football focus notes, defensive backs, how many times were each targeted, receptions given up, offensive line, run blocking grades, pass blocking grades, all that and more. Ward Wednesday, it is all here on a Wednesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. This episode of Locked On Vols brought to you by eBay Motors. The championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head on over to eBay Motors and look at the green check. Uh, go ahead and stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, can't thank you enough. You everydayers for making Lockdown Balls your first listen. We got a fun crossover show coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about South Carolina. Really dive into who South Carolina is. So I encourage you to tune in for tomorrow's show. We'll hit Boogie on Friday. Josh Ward in segment three, but Pro Football Focus notes here to kick off a Wednesday. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's do offense uh, to start off. And, and first off, let's look at those snap count grades. Well, uh, for. Javante Spragans, Andre Carrick, and Joe Milton, they led the offense with 60 snaps. Let's see, Ollie Lane played 53 snaps. Jeremiah Crawford played 46 snaps. Gerald Mincy played 38 snaps. He had to play a lot because, of course, uh, some injuries there to Jeremiah Crawford on one side. Uh, Romel Keaton played 41 snaps before leaving the game. 44 snaps for Caleb Webb. Uh, Chaz Nimrod played 31 snaps as well. Uh, another week, another... Um, Outperform, outperformance, if you will, in terms of snap counts for McCallum Castles, albeit this one just by one. McCallum Castles, 33 snaps. Jacob Warren, 32 snaps. Dylan Sampson, 19 snaps. Jabari Small, 26 snaps. Jalen Wright, only 15 snaps. So remember, he got banged up a little bit. Uh, Dane Davis, 15 snaps. And then uh, your second teamers got six snaps, essentially two series where you didn't go uh, anywhere. You look at the overall grades. Again, we don't, we don't put a whole lot of stock in grades. We're looking at the offensive end. Uh, Brew McCoy, 81%. And if you look at the uh, Pro Football Focus grading scale, and if you're on YouTube, I've got it down below on the bottom ticker, 90 to 99 is elite, 80 to 89, very good, 70 to 79, above average starter, 60 to 69, average starter, below average starter is 50 to 59, and backup level player is considered 50 and below. Uh, Brew McCoy, 81%. Dylan Sampson, 80%. McCallan Castle, 78%. It's good to see. John Campbell, 68%. That's good to see. Gerald Mincy, 67%. Ollie Lane, 67%. Javante um, Spragan, 63%. As you'd expect, an inferior opponent, the offensive line overall is going to have a, a much better day with some high grades. Uh, Jacob Warren, 60%. I will say this, Joe Milton, 20th highest grade on offense at 57%. Of course, he tied for the most snaps of the football game. But 57%, that's the lowest grade per pro football focus for Joe Milton um, in this one. Speaking of Joe Milton, let's look at the directional passing, shall we? Uh, Joe Milton, of course, as we talked about already on the show earlier in the week, he was one for seven. He was one for nine, 20 yards down the field. Of course, that was to Ramel Keaton on that touchdown drive. Uh, a couple were super close, but as we've talked about on recent shows, you got to start making those count for sure. And 
and uh, you had uh, Josh Heupel to the media earlier in the week kind of expressing that as well. Uh, 10 to 20 yards, the intermediate. Joe Milton was 2, 4, 3, 5. He was 2 for 5. Um, 0 to 10 yards, he was 8 for 9. Very successful, 10 to 12 yards. And then uh, behind the line of scrimmage, Joe Milton was 6 for Eight, six for eight, and uh, again, very successful in that regard. Joe Milton on the day he was kept clean on 69.7% dropbacks. He was under pressure 30% of the time. So essentially, he was kept clean 70% of the time. He was he was pressured 30% of the time. Um, only blitzed 33% of the time. Uh, when he was blitzed, his grade was only at a 36.5. So that's got to get better, of course, with guys in your face. Uh, let's look at the offensive line, shall we? Let's look at the blocking, pass blocking. Javante Spragans had the best state, 84%. Dane Davis, 78%. Jackson Lampley, 74%. Addison Nichols, six snaps. I'm not going to, or three snaps. I'm not going to read that off. Three reps at pass blocking. I'm not going to read that off. Um, McCallan Castle, 72%. Jeremiah Crawford, 69%. All this is above average to really good guys. Jacob Warren, 69%. Ollie Lane, 66%. Gerald Mincy, 63%. A couple concerning grades. Uh, John Campbell, 58%. That's not great. That's that's um, technically considered below average. Uh, 58% and 23 pass blocking reps. Andre Keurig, 37%. I knew it when I watched it in real time. I knew it on the rewatch. Andre Keurig did not play good. Tennessee's got a problem at left, tackle, left guard, guys. Uh, knew it in preseason. Know it here after four games. Andre Keurig, 37%. And... Um, I think he's looked okay at times. I think he's done some good things, uh, but he did not have a good day on Saturday. You hope that he can improve, but he's, he's going to be playing. He's your left guard. Um, let's see here. Jabari Small did not have a good day. 15 pass blocking reps. 14% was his grade. Let's go to those run blocking reps, shall we? Uh, the grades for run blocking. Brew McCoy, 88%. He sprung um, Joe Milton, uh, that touchdown run of the 81-yarder on the zone keep. It, it was because of Brew McCoy blocking down the field that made that touchdown happen. 88% for Brew McCoy. Uh, McCallan Castles, the tight ends are so big in the run game, both Jacob Bourne and McCallan Castles. McCallan Castles, 87% run blocking grade at 16 uh, run blocking reps. Not bad. Ramel Keaton, 85%. Love when the receivers are getting graded, graded high on these. Dante Thornton, 85%. Um, love it. Chaz Nimrod, 80%. Ollie Lane, 70%. John Campbell, 69%. So much better day run blocking than pass blocking for John Campbell. Gerald Mincy, 67%. Let's see here. Javante Spragans, 58%. Not the best. Jacob Warren, 57%. Not the best. Uh... Andre Carrick, 54% run blocking. Jeremiah Crawford, 53% run blocking. Andre Carrick had 27 run blocking reps. Jeremiah Crawford had 20 run blocking reps. So the run blocking, you still ran for over 300 yards. 81 of that came on the opening play. Still a good day, uh, but when you break it down into specifics, the offensive line, some of these offensive linemen didn't have the, the best day, but still no, none of these grades are horrendous. Uh, like what we saw a couple of those guys on the uh, the, the pass blocking side of things. So uh, anyway, those are the the biggest um, those are the biggest grades or biggest notes um, on the offensive side of the football essentially. And um, we'll do the same thing and we'll look at defense. I like defense a whole lot better because you get to see defensive back targeted, 
receptions given up, missed tackles, all that type of stuff, plus snap counts. Uh, defense is way more of a rotational position uh, than the offense right now. So, or really just kind of in general, if, if we're being honest about things. All right. When we come back, we'll get into that right here on Lockdown Balls. Let's see about our friends over at DoorDash. Missing syrup for your pancakes? Just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want when you want, right when you need it. Burnt your last piece of toast. Avocado has gone bad or that hot sauce bottle. It's, it's, it's a little empty. Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. Plus, your favorite restaurants are on DoorDash. You might be a busy person like me and be gone you know, on the go all day long. I have a DoorDash salad delivered to the house. Trying to get them greens in for salad for uh, lunchtime, right? I got a, I got a DoorDash salad just about... <laughs> I mean, uh, it's affordable, don't get me wrong, um, but I do it just about every day, and it, it works for me. It can work for you as well. Uh, tons and tons of options of your favorite restaurants all available on DoorDash. So if you go ahead and download that app today, you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you put in the promo code Locked On College at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20. Uh, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code Locked On College. Don't forget that's promo code Locked On College. Fifty percent off your first order with DoorDash. All right, guys and gals, Josh Ward coming up in about six or seven minutes, and let's call it seven or eight minutes. Let's not lie about things here on Locked On Balls. Uh, and um, we're, we're going to look at Pro Football Focus, some notes, some specifics uh, here from the UTSA game here in segment number two. Uh, Josh Ward coming up, and then it's full steam ahead for South Carolina, and that's coming up the rest of the week. Appreciate you guys for being here. Let's look at Pro Football Focus notes. Some snap counts first. Um, let's see here. The safeties, <laughs> shocker, leading the team or leading the defense in snap counts. 60 for Wesley Walker, 57 for Jalen McCullough. Tamari McDonald, the nickel player, 54. Elijah Herring had 53 snaps. Gabe Judy Lawley at corner had 51 snaps. Aaron Beasley, before leaving the game, had 41 snaps. Tyler Barron, good to see, 37 snaps. Kamal Haddon at corner, 35 snaps. James Pierce at end, 34 snaps. David Hobbs, defensive line, 31 snaps. Andre Tarantin, 31 snaps at safety. Uh, Roman Harrison, 30 snaps. Jordan Thomas, 30 snaps at star and safety a little bit. That was good to see. Um... And then you got your defensive line. It's such a heavy rotational position. They're all, most of the guys that contribute are in the 20s. Brandon Turnage at corner had 28 snaps. Aaron Carter at linebacker, 26 snaps. Caleb Perry. When they go three linebackers, Caleb Perry comes on and typically rushes off the edge. Elijah Herring was in that role as a true freshman a season ago. Uh, Caleb Perry had 25 snaps. Caleb Perry. 25 snaps. Ricky Gibson had 20 snaps. Should have had way more. No excuse for that. Should have had way more. Omar Norman Lott and a half a play had 17 snaps. Caleb Herring, 10 snaps. That probably should have been a little bit higher for sure. Uh, and Jordan Matthews, only three snaps registered. I would love to see that up in the 15 to 20s for sure. Uh, you go look at uh, some of the, the highest grades. And again, uh, you know, it's something, not everything. Uh, once again, the, uh, the, the grading scale, elite 90 to 99, very good, 80 to 89, above average starter, 70 to 79, average starter is 60 to 69. So if you get an F in school, <laughs> that is considered an average starter per pro football focus. That's the way I look at it. Uh, below average starter is 50 to 59, and then less than 50 is considered a backup level player. Tamari McDonald led the team, and I think he's only going to get better and better because, again, he didn't tackle hardly at all, hardly at all, missed two more tackles on Saturday. Uh, in fall camp, he was out, kind of banged up, and I think he's going to continue to get stronger 
as the season goes on. He led the team with an 82.3% grade. Tyler Barron, what a strong start to begin his senior season, 80%. Elijah Herring, 80%. I thought Elijah Herring played well, and it's reflected in his grade here. He missed some tackles. He's a little out of control in the open space, but I thought he played pretty well. Uh, Bryce Neeson, 78%. Andre Tarenton, 76%. Amari Thomas, 76%. Uh, Caleb Herring, only 10 reps, 75%. Kamal Haddon, 72%. Boy, South Carolina's going to target him this week, aren't they? Uh, Roman Harrison, 72%. Let's go ahead and look at the, uh, let's go, let's look at the missed tackles first. Okay. Tackling. Tennessee had, uh, 10 missed tackles. There we go. There we go. That makes a whole lot more sense. 10 missed tackles. Um, let's see here. Two of them came from Tamari McDonald. Three of them came from Elijah Herring. So right there, that's half. That's half right there. Got to cut that down in the open space. Uh, Brandon Turnage had a missed tackle, led to a touchdown. That cannot happen. Just simply can't happen. Two missed tackles from Caleb Perry, and then a missed tackle from Jordan Thomas, and a missed tackle from Christian Harrison. So one, two, four, five. Yep, there's five, and then the other five came from Elijah Herring and Tamari McDonald. So 10 missed tackles. It's not horrible, but that's too much. Why? Because Tennessee started off the season well, only seven missed tackles against Virginia. And then since then, it's it's missed 10 plus tackles in three straight games. The only way you're going to get better at tackling, and I said this, I believe, on the Mailbag podcast, is to get out there and tackle. Get out there and freaking tackle. Don't leave your feet. Don't lunge. Wrap up. Drive. Um, when you leave your feet, that's when you have missed tackles. Tennessee, especially in the defensive backfield, leaves their feet way too much trying to make a big hit. Sometimes the uninspiring tackle is the best tackle, especially especially in the open field. Let's go look at the defensive backs and uh, kind of some of these coverage grades. All right, let's see here. Tamari McDonald, not great. Um, though in the, in the grand scheme of things, he, it really wasn't a whole lot. Remember, um, I think against South Carolina, Spencer Rattler's going to be running around trying to make recess plays. He's been doing a great job. He's been super accurate with it as well. And going to try to make these safeties in the box players and the man coverage these corners. Linebackers run east to west, run sideline to sideline. So this is going to be critical um, this week for sure. Tamarian McDonald gave up six receptions when targeted seven times. Not great, but only gave up 30 yards. Only gave up 30 yards and had an interception on the day. He played it really, really well. That interception, inside leverage, coming back around, balls right there, made the catch. Uh, but giving up six receptions, too much. Elijah Herring in the middle of the field as a linebacker. Targeted seven times, gave up seven receptions. Uh, let's see here, 28 yards. So most of those were just kind of dinks and dunks, right? Um, Kamal Haddon targeted twice, targeted three times, gave up two receptions, 14 yards. So that's not horrible. Brandon Turnage targeted twice, gave up three receptions, for 43 yards, one of those came off a missed tackle. Not great, and he allowed a touchdown. Warren Burrell targeted once, no receptions. Wesley Walker targeted twice, gave up two receptions for 28 yards. Gabe Judy Lolly targeted four times, gave up one reception for eight yards. Aaron Carter targeted twice, gave up one reception for 13 yards. Kayla Perry targeted twice, gave up two receptions for nine yards. Jeremiah T. Lander targeted once, gave up one reception, nine yards. Ricky Gibson targeted once, gave up one reception for seven yards. Aaron Beasley targeted three times, two receptions for 10 yards. And Jordan Thomas, who I didn't think had a great day at star, targeted three times, gave up three receptions 
for 32 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that is what the coverage looks like for uh, Tennessee's defensive back. So um, last thing, we'll look at some pass rushing grades. Um, who got after the quarterback the best? Caleb Herring graded out at a 90% in terms of uh, four pass rushing reps. Tyler Barron, 85%. And, and what's this mean, right? Do you keep it skinny? Do you keep it tight? Do you not get washed? Do you not lose contained? Do you get sacks? Do you get TFLs? Does your play attribute to a, a sack for a teammate? That's kind of how they look at these things. Uh, Tyler Barron, 85%. Tamari McDonald, 73%. Caleb Perry, 71%. Roman Harrison, 68%. Aaron Beasley, who they need to blitz more, 67%. James Pierce, 67%. Omar Norman Lott, 61%. Bryson Eason, who had a strong day, 61%. Um, so those are some of the big ones. Anyway, pro football focus. It's something. It is certainly not everything. We do it every single Wednesday. We look back uh, at the pro football focus grades right here on Locked on Falls. Guys, I appreciate you for being here. Let's talk to Josh Ward, co-host of Josh and Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Uh, he is going to tell us what he thought about the uh, the game and, of course, the South Carolina game coming up this week. It's going to be a big one. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. We'll tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. Uh, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency situation. Jace Case makes you uh, make sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace uh, Medical is simple. Uh, they handle everything from the online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery, ongoing consultation, and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from the Jace Medical by using my code Locked On. That's at checkout, jacemedical.com. $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the promo code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E Medical.com. We do it every single Wednesday here on Locked On Balls. We call it Ward Wednesday. Josh Ward, co-host of 99.1 The Sports Animal with VFL Jason Swain. Josh and Swain, noon to three, joins the show. Josh is the former host of Locked On Balls way back when. Josh, uh, Tennessee, 45-14, jumped out to a 31 to nothing lead. Uh, did not come out of the halftime as completely focused as it should. Obviously, that's human nature a, a little bit because you're winning so big. But Tennessee bounces back, does exactly what it needs to do, and now... It's a big one. Neyland Stadium with South Carolina. Dark mode activated for Saturday night. Yeah, finally a big home game for Tennessee. Uh, it's taken a while to get to this point, but this is a big one. It's a game that we have described as circled on the schedule, that kind of game, after what happened last year. And then Tennessee needs this after what happened against Florida. Either way, it would have been a big game. There was a two-week window that will follow with Texas A&M coming up after that. As disappointing as the result was at Florida, Tennessee still has a chance to be in a really good position heading into the off week with two weeks to get ready for Texas A&M. If Tennessee can be 4-1, and one, have an SEC win under its belt, tougher competition to come, if we're going to be honest, it can still be a good position for Tennessee. Uh, and the Vols are the better team in this matchup, in my opinion, and the odds makers agree with that. Tennessee needs to go handle its business at home with the environment on Tennessee side. You kind of went into it a little bit there, but is this a must-win game? I love that phrase. We use it way too often, and here we are again. 
I mean, Josh Heupel's not getting fired. Shane Beamer's not getting fired. No one's getting fired here. But for Tennessee to accomplish what it wants to accomplish this year when we're doing preseason predictions, some people said 10, we said 9, you know, trying to take that step back. It's almost like for Tennessee, you got to get this game. You're already on one in SEC. You've got, I mean, AM coming to your house, as you mentioned, in a couple weeks. You know, on the road at Alabama, Kentucky. Missouri's not going to be a, a cakewalk. You still have Georgia. It feels like from that perspective, this is a must-win game for Tennessee. And then even for uh, for South Carolina, you're one and one in conference right now, two and two. They've already been tested, had a brutal start to their season, you know, with the likes of Georgia, North Carolina, and, and a quality Mississippi State opponent. But then you got Florida on that schedule, AM on that schedule, you got Kentucky, and then of course Clemson. Feels like this is a must win for both teams, really. Yeah, for Tennessee, it's a better not lose game. Better not okay. lose this and go into what would be a long two weeks before oh, yeah. Texas A&M comes to town. To your point about what Tennessee wants to accomplish, Tennessee wants to win the East, right? And then play for an SEC championship. Must win if you want to do that. Realistically, yeah. Tennessee's not losing on Saturday and going on to play for an SEC title at the end of the season. Mathematically, is it possible? Yes. Realistically, is it? I don't think so. So Tennessee needs to win. And then you get to the discussion of what would happen if Tennessee loses. What's the mood? What's the mindset? Of course, Josh Heupel is not getting fired if they lose on Saturday, nor should he. It would be a silly conversation to even suggest, hey, should we talk about it? No. But it's going to be ugly if Tennessee loses at home to South Carolina and Shane Beamer and his team go back to Columbia with back-to-back wins against Tennessee, and the Vols are 0-2 against quality teams. I mean, part of the challenge, I think, leading up to this is that we've seen Tennessee play one real quality opponent, and it didn't go well against three teams that aren't quality opponents. Tennessee's been fine. The showing against Austin P was uh, underwhelming, to put it nicely. Yeah. But you know, this, this is the first quality opponent at home where the environment favors Tennessee. And if Tennessee can't win in that spot, then it's going to create a lot of fear of what happens beyond Saturday into the rest of the season. So uh, Tennessee needs to win this for a number of reasons. You know, as sports fans of college football fans, you know, we get caught up in it. You know, we, you have a radio show. I got this podcast and it's easy to kick somebody when they're down. You know, Spencer Rattler was amazing in 2020 loses his job in 2021 to another amazing quarterback who, oh yeah, won the Heisman last year. Uh, 2022 transfers, goes to South Carolina, of all places, and looks horrible. Looks horrible. Um, Gets his crap in gear against Tennessee and has been the uh, Heisman Trophy winner we all all appointed prior to the 2021 season. And Spencer Rattler, of course, he didn't win it. Uh, But he's looked like that guy since the Tennessee game last year. His offensive line's pathetic. 17 sacks so far. Could have been way worse if not for him. But what's more encu- what's more encouraging for South Carolina fans and, and you know discouraging for Tennessee fans, he's been on the run. He's completing 74% of his passes. Seven mm-hmm. touchdowns, two picks. He's already thrown for – he's averaging over 300 yards a game so far. Man, Spencer Rattler is is that guy. He's if you you know the kids are saying he's him, right? I think that I think that's that that phase is over with now. But you know he's the guy so far right now, and he's I mean if you're Tennessee, man, you talk about a challenge. You're gonna have to do everything you can to try to slow that guy down. By the way, is saying he's him or she's her is that out? I think that's out. I think I saw a tweet the other day saying that's so like a couple months ago. I, I could be you know I'm an old guy, so I don't know. 
You are old, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm older, so I didn't know. But whatever you want to say, Spencer Rattler is playing at a very high level. He deserves a ton of credit for how he's performed. And his skill set has always been there. He's probably a lot more comfortable. I think the offense is probably running, besides the offensive line issues as you're talking about, but it's running to where he can be more confident. That changed with the Tennessee game. And I think behind the scenes, they started to make some changes that were leading into what they wanted to do more of this year. And he looks like the guy that we talked about early in his career in college and even last year when he transferred to South Carolina. So Tennessee has to be aware of his mobility, his playmaker options that he has. It's not as long of a list if Juice, if Juice Wells is not playing. But he's not. Leggett, yeah, yeah Leggett has been so good. And Trey Knox is a big target, a former receiver, converted tight end, transferred to South Carolina as well. So – uh, Rattler, his accuracy, his confidence, his mobility, and the success he had last year against Tennessee will come back to being confident. I'm sure they're they're going to believe in their plan. Tennessee up front needs to be disruptive. Need to they need to get to Rattler. They need to contain Rattler and not allow him to make plays. If Graham Mertz was able to make plays against this defense, Rattler's definitely capable of that. That's why Tennessee needs to affect him early and consistently through the game. You remember Luke Doty, Dottie, whatever. Mm-hmm. Back, back. He's a he's a wide receiver that gets some PT. I talked to somebody in South Carolina this week, and they said if Spencer Rattler got hurt, they would he would be the quarterback. Now he's not the future. They're, they have another freshman that's got some numbers, Lenora Sellers, that they like. But it, apparently, if Rattler got hurt, it's it's Doty time again. But he's playing wide receiver. Isn't that wild? I love college yeah. football. Yeah, it's quite a sport. Uh, where a couple years ago, you're looking at hey, uh, G G A former uh, college quarterback. We need you because yeah. of injuries. So, yeah, there, there's nothing like it in college football. But uh, no doubt South Carolina wants to keep Rattler healthy because if he does get injured, Tennessee fans will say, hey, we've seen crazier things. But uh, I would not yeah. like the chances for the Gamecocks if Rattler goes down. He's so important for them. And uh, it's unfortunate for them they don't have Wells. If they had Wells and Leggett, yeah. that would be a nightmare for Tennessee and for other opposing defenses. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it was reported yesterday officially that Wells is going to miss this game. He, he was always doubtful. It was always going to be a long shot. Yeah. Their re- their slot receiver, uh, Marion Brown, missed last week's game. It uh, looks like he's going to be available for this game um, against Tennessee. But still have the volunteer killer, it feels like, to carry and join her. Guy played Wildcat last year, just torched Tennessee. That was their run game last year. He's now the running back. Running game is not very good. What I also love about, about college football is, You've got Mario Anderson, formerly yeah. of Division II Newberry. I played against Newberry. I, <laughs> I don't belong in the SEC. I played against Newberry. That guy played four years at Newberry, and he's going to be the the feature back essentially moving forward. You got Joiner, but yeah, uh, Mario and ran Anderson, pretty well last week. What went for more than eighty yards against yeah. Mississippi State. So he he did okay for a run game that has uh, struggled to start the season. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So anyway, uh, there. I think a key for Tennessee is obviously, you know, the, the same thing. You know, win the turnover battle, protect your quarterback, yada, yada, yada. I think Tennessee's got to run the football. Uh, got to be efficient running the football. Tennessee couldn't against Florida, and that was very discouraging because I think mm-hmm. I like these backs. This offensive line is a work in progress. I do expect Cooper Mays to play in this game. Um, how much, we'll see, but I do expect him to play. But I think this line is much better at run blocking than pass blocking. Uh, if Tennessee's going to be in a lot of these games and win some of these games, they've got to run the football, and so that – is what I'm looking for, number one against South Carolina, Tennessee to run the football. Yeah, I think in general we're going to have a difficult time 
believing Tennessee can have a big day offensively in any game if mm-hmm. the run game is not there. That's just asking a lot of the passing game. I, I know that South Carolina struggled with its pass defense, and I know where they are statistically. So I'm not saying that Joe Milton and the passing attack can't just go light them up. I just I have a hard time seeing without the run game. Uh, Joe Milton being a part of that is a question to me. He had the big long run, but he's probably not going 80 yards against an SEC defense. But if he can make plays within the running game or just within the offense, that's an important part of what they need to do. How much is he affected by what happened on Saturday, getting twisted up there? I don't know. That's a question I have going into the game. But no doubt, they need a they need a solid rushing effort. Dylan Sampson reemerging. Uh, was important for Tennessee. Let's see him do it against an SEC defense. It's a, um, I guess it's a fair qualifier to say, yeah, it was Virginia and it was against UTSA, but he explodes differently. He can move differently than a lot of guys at that position on the field. So Tennessee needs to run the football and then take advantage of those shots that I do believe are going to be there. Tennessee's going to have an opportunity to hit a few big plays. And if they run well and hit enough big plays, then I think they should score enough to beat South Carolina. You know, I was saying some stuff on Sunday and Monday, and then I heard Eric Ainge say the same thing I was saying on the radio. So I was like, oh, maybe I should walk that back. Yeah. But just the fact that you're – I mean, Tennessee didn't take many shots the first couple of games of the season. They're just taking, you know, what the defense has given them. Offensive line maybe, maybe had a, a play into that. But Tennessee put on tape. They're taking shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, the ability that, you know, they will call a quarterback run or Joe Milton will keep it on his own read or whatever. Getting that on tape. I just think it's big for Tennessee. Uh, last thing. And yeah, of just, course you just need to connect. I mean, you still have mm-hmm. to make more plays. Like it's, it's hard to believe, except for the fact that we've seen it, Eric, that Joe Milton has the biggest arm in college football, right? That's established the 80, 90 yard throws, whatever. He has the lowest yards per attempt among all quarterbacks in the SEC. Like who, who would have thought that he'd be there after Hendon led the SEC in yards per attempt. And I know they're doing a lot of quick passing uh, screen game. He's 11th in completion percentage. So they, they've they had opportunities, and I'm not saying it's all Joe. I'm not saying that at all. There have been some throws where he'd like to get him back. There are some plays where the receivers would like to get whatever happened back, and then protection. But it's all added up to the offense just not being where it should be in the passing game. South Carolina will provide an opportunity to get that right, but they need to get that right quickly. At the time of this recording, man, that line is still double digits for Tennessee. Number one, yeah. are you surprised? And number two, out the door, you reserve the right to change this. I know it's kind of unfair at the time of this recording. It's really unfair. But give me your prediction for this week with the, with the, with the right to change the things around come Friday. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought it would be a little bit lower, but I thought it'd be eight to ten points. I just I look at South Carolina. I see a team that had a tough time against North Carolina. Uh, Georgia, it's impressive what South Carolina did in the first half, but football has played over 60 minutes, and there was no question who the better team was. And then yeah, Mississippi State, it's an okay team, I think. Uh, by SEC stand, standards, it's near the bottom. So this South Carolina team has a lot of defensive problems, or has to this point, and has an offensive line that can be attacked. And with Tennessee at home at night, I just think it's a huge advantage going in. And save for injury at quarterback that just completely alters what Tennessee's able to do in this game. I think Tennessee should win the game and I understand the line. So I haven't come up with the final score, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tennessee covers in this game. I also wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina wins just because Tennessee still has to go prove 
yeah. that it's as good as it's capable of being. But I, right now, I like Tennessee, and I'm not, I'm not going to change who wins. Uh, right now, I would have Tennessee probably closer to winning by about 10 points. It's Josh Ward. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward. You can listen to him and VFL Jason Swain noon to three on the Sports Animal every weekday. And you can read the Josh and Swain newsletter coming up every Friday at about 8.30 in the morning. You can subscribe to that free newsletter by looking at the show notes of this episode right now. Josh, uh, what's coming up on your program, the newsletter, as the uh, week goes on? Yeah, words matter. That's why we print them up for you in the Josh and Swain newsletter. It's free. A lot of football talk. This game uh, is is really awesome and kind of underrated in the animosity that can go back and forth among players, among coaches, and among fans. So it's a big week. Uh, can't wait for Saturday night. Neyland Stadium is going to be rocking, so we're talking about it all week long on Josh and Swain. Josh, appreciate it, man. You got it. Thank you. He is Josh Ward. Again, you can listen to him every single weekday, noon to three on the Sports Animal. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Couldn't do it without you. Shout out every dayers for making this a, a part of your um, everyday life, whether you're going to work at the at the gym, you know, walking the dog, listening, watching on YouTube. Already almost up to 9,100 on YouTube. We just passed 9,000, so uh, y'all are the freaking best. Tomorrow we're going to dive in. We're going to talk to Locked On Gamecocks and learn a lot about this guy's good guys that we're going to learn a lot about south carolina and how tennessee can attack the gamecocks by we'll boogie bentley on friday and uh yeah appreciate you guys for being here this uh this is locked on ball is your team every single day and we'll be back tomorrow uh until then enjoy the rest of your wednesday everybody